Hey everyone, welcome to episode 25 of the Brosane Detroit Pistons podcast. I'm Carl Rosane. And I'm Alex Rosane. Um, I thought it would be fun just to catch up on some of the blockbuster trades. I guess saying blockbuster is overstated, but as far as we're concerned, uh, some of the moves we made around the trade deadline. Uh, we acquired Tobias Harris and had some other interesting things happen. And while we're certainly not breaking news here, a lot of people have talked about the trade right after it happened. We've had, we had the benefit of seeing Harris play in our lineup for the last five games. And uh, we actually got to see him with our own eyes at the Palace when, when uh, Anthony Davis reminded us all why he's potentially the best, the future of the NBA. Uh, but, you know, we got to see him in person. And uh, what do you make of him, Alex? Well, I think he's been as advertised so far. I mean, he he was a guy we had our eye on in the offseason coming into this year. People were hoping we would try to sign him as a free agent, but he was a restricted free agent, and we would have had to, there's these rules where you have to tie, uh, you make an offer and the team has a few days to match, and they can make you tie up your salary cap room, blah, blah, blah. So we ended up not making an offer, and we are a little disappointed. But, um you know, so we traded for him, and we, we traded a couple of rotation players. You know, Brandon Jennings, really key off our bench, and then Ilyasova was our starting power forward. So, um, you know, they, they both had expiring contracts, and I guess they were not looked at as the future of our team. Uh, I, I'm, I mean, he's he's playing really well. He's been playing better than his career averages, and he seems to be a really good fit. And, and um, you know, maybe just uh, since we're in a small market and we're insecure about what the big media thinks of it, uh, it's been very well thought of the trade for us um, on the likes of you know ESPN.com and Bill Simmons and stuff. Everyone's saying good things about this trade for us. I think one thing we always think about is what what kind of players can we get with our market. Uh, I, one a lot, one thing that's been commented on is this was kind of a free agency move without having to actually compete in free agency. We couldn't get him last free agency, and he signed a what a four year, sixty four million dollar contract. And we weren't really in the mix there, but now we have him essentially kind of half, uh, having lost a half year of his contract. But, uh, and we have him locked in. We have him for the next three years after this. Uh, one thing I like is that he's younger uh, and matches the age of our, our young core of uh, KCP and Drummond and, and Reggie Jackson. And, and it feels like in the long run, some people are really excited saying we could be uh, well, who was the guest on the Low Post podcast who was particularly excited about the trade? Coach Thorpe, maybe. Yeah, and and, and uh, David Thorpe was saying in, in another video clip on ESPN that he, he thinks that we could be at the top of the East as soon as next year with this and everything. So I mean, it was just fun to see some people talking about the Pistons in the national media. And so I just like the fact that Van Gundy has been active in, in finding ways to build pieces to our team slowly. I mean. When, when he got here, Kyle Singler was in our starting lineup, and now, <laughs> now we have now we have Marcus Morris and Tobias Harris and Reggie Jackson to complement KCP and Andre Drummond. And when you when you kind of look back at that huge delta where, where we were before, I'm impressed with what Dan Van Gundy's done. Yeah. Yes, and and let's hope he he keeps the the streak alive with uh, Tobias being being right about Tobias Harris. Uh, um, Zach Lowe had a really deep dive on Tobias Harris on grantland.com and described him as one of the most divisive players in the league uh, in terms of uh, what other front offices think about him. Some people are really high on him and some people think, oh, he's a ball hog who can't defend. And people were similarly divided on Reggie Jackson. And, and I was very skeptical of Reggie Jackson, but 
you know, he, he's just been awesome. And so someone who knows basketball, like a coach, uh, sometimes has the ability to, to look at a guy and think, what skills does he have and how will I apply them to a new, new situation? What role do I have in mind for him? And he was correct that, that, that Jackson would be a good fit. You know, I, I have high hopes for Tobias Harris. Uh, like you said, strategically, it, it's super important that we have got a guy who's young and locked up to a long-term deal um, because just about every team in the league is going to have a ton of salary cap room next year, and there aren't that many players to go along. In economics, one way to describe inflation is uh, too much money chasing too few goods. Well, and there's going to be a big inflation of people's contracts. There's going to be just hundreds of millions of dollars of salary cap money. And there's probably like 10 decent players uh, available in this free agency, and some of them are restricted. So we probably were going to be really d- vulnerable to a, hey, let's blow all our money on Charlie Villanueva and Ben Gordon type of situation. Because that's what happened to us last time. And we, we just had our salary cap room come available at a time where there weren't g- good good players to spend it on. Well, we've avoided that. Now, next year we're going to have, if my calculations are right, and we'll have in the neighborhood of $13 bucks in salary cap room next year. That's enough to sign a, a rotation player and fill in, you know, some, put some spackle and some holes, But and we'll have our first-round pick. But it, we won't be counting on just going out and signing uh, a star player, which is good because we're not going to get a star player. You know, we, we could go out. Some team's going to go out and pay Ryan Anderson $20 million bucks. Some team's going to go out and, and make an offer to Harrison Barnes of $20 million bucks. Those guys aren't, you know, as, as good two-way players for us as Tobias Harris might be. And we've got him for, I think, $15 million and it's a declining contract. So we're in really good shape. It was a good strategic move. And when people ask me about the roster before the trade and what, what kind of pieces would we need, uh, I, I think that I, I always thought as the four as our weakest spot with Ilyasova in the starting lineup. I mean, I like him. He, he was a nice acquisition in the offseason because he is more of a, of a match for the what we're trying to do. But he just, as we talked about last time, his slow release, uh, he, he just doesn't seem like he could get enough shots off. Like he could make an open shot if, if we get him open, but he wasn't as, as much of a shot creator. You and I were talking earlier, and you mentioned that looking ahead to the season, we don't we don't seem to have enough people who want to use possessions in our in our lineup, and and he solves that because he's certainly willing to take plenty of shots, uh, and that's probably where people knock him. You shared before the Basketball References Player Comparison Finder, and one of the ones that tops the list is Rudy Gay, and that's probably the side of things on the negative side where Rudy Gay kind of feels like an empty calories stats kind of guy who never plays for winning teams, and maybe that's what people were thinking about when when people who Grumble about him in Orlando. Yep. Yeah. And let me just fill that in uh, or flesh that out a little more. You know, I just looked on basketball reference there for um, guys who had kind of a similar height and, you know, quality profile um, at, at the age Tobias Harris is right now, just looking at early, early in guys' careers. And it was a in- really interesting list. Um, Rudy Gay, Jeff Green, Linus Kaliza, who played for the Raptors for a bit and played internationally. Rashard Lewis, who was the catalyst to the Dwight Howard, Stan Van Gundy, Orlando Finals team. And Tim Thomas, who was, again, the, about the size of Tobias Harris, very skilled player, but for for some reason never lived up to his potential. And that's an interesting list um, that makes me think he, he's going to be, um, he's very likely to remain a, a quality player and a starter caliber guy. 
Um, it also makes me glad that Stan Van Gundy's his coach because several of those guys um, never lived up to their potential in part because they were, were taking ill-advised shots or were in a system that, like Rudy Gay is famous for just taking a lot of long two-point shots. Um, and and uh, Jeff Green is, uh, is very inconsistent, so hopefully Tobias doesn't uh, have that happen. It also really puts a, a damper on my uh, expectations. Um, there's, there's probably, there isn't a lot of reason to, to think it's, you know, better than 50, 50 that he ever becomes an all-star just looking at that list. I mean, I don't know if maybe Rudy Gay made one all-star team or something, probably not, but he, he's still young enough to where he could get better than we think he is. And he's, he, he has had, uh, been traded a few times, played for a bunch of different coaches, never really had his role settled on. So, you know, his, his ceiling may be higher than a few of those guys. But I, I think that that just shows us we've we, we got a solid rotation player who fits in. But, like, you know, let's not, um, let, let's not put all our money on the Pistons winning the title next year over this. It makes me, it reminds me of uh, the Pistons strategy. This is probably extrapolating too far, but of, of getting people who hadn't really been accepted otherwhere. We have Reggie Jackson now who hadn't really been fully loved anywhere else, Tobias Harris. And it, it, it kind of has echoes of Chauncey Billups finding his place on the Pistons, and also Rashid Wallace. Uh, Those are completely apples to oranges in terms of the individual players, but uh, you know that's the kind of thing you have to do when you're a small market is be smart and find players who uh, you know are a little bit rough around the edges or un- overlooked for some reason and, and coach them into a system that works. I think Morris is also kind of like that. I mean, I haven't had any complaints with him since he's been here. He plays more minutes than anybody else. He always plays really hard. Uh, sometimes it seems like he's asked to do too much on offense and kind of hasn't able to make as many shots, but I think he's a, he's a really a great part of our team. So I, I'm excited. I also love that his size and his size and ability to guard uh, a variety of, of positions. When you, when you count him and Morris and also um, Stanley Johnson, th- those three players together really give us like a, a shuffling up and down from the two to the four uh, and, and, and maybe even up to the five. I mean, you could, you could potentially play Morris or, I mean, I guess you could play Harris at the five against a really small lineup uh, if, if that was if it really came to that. Yeah, th- that was one of the um, best aspects of the trade, uh, according to some of those online commentators, is that now we now have access to lineups where we can switch. Um, w- when guys are running around, we can switch between shooting guard, small forward, and power forward. And we, and without creating mismatches, because that's what a lot of NBA offenses are trying to do is to run guys around and shuffle them around so that you end up with the wrong guy guarding the wrong guy. And then he will either be quick, quicker or bigger and can exploit a matchup. But we've got all these guys that are of similar size and quickness and are all just pretty good. According to, you know, the likes of Bill Simmons and so forth, that's that type of thing is really important in the playoffs. And Stan Van Gundy has talked about how it's really, he loves that we have a bunch of different looks we can throw at people now. We can, we can, um, we can have quick, good shooting power forwards. We can have really big guards with Stanley Johnson at 240 pounds playing some minutes at shooting guard. We can have a bunch of length on the floor. We can go really big if we want to have, you know, Aaron Baines and Andre Drummond on the floor. If the other team doesn't have a quick power forward, we can have gigantic guys who can rebound. And, I, you know, that's the type of thing that's really important too. It's like it's like having a bunch, you know, left-handed pitching in your bullpen. You know, guys who throw off-speed pitches, guys who throw guys who throw fastballs, um, just so you can just play the matchups right. 
I mean, that's all. We're, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here thinking about how something's good for the playoffs down the line. But, you know, we're, we're just building the team properly. And we, I think we have seven players aged 25 and under, 26 and under, um, uh, that are part of our core right now. And then we still have our first-round pick uh, after the donatus Yunus trade was voided. So, you know, th- yeah, things are really <laughs> – things are just really uh, looking up here. Uh, I, I just – I love it. Yeah, and, and I had said at one point, someone was asking me, like, would you be happy? Would you be fine making a trade that really set us back this year uh, in order to be good in the future? And I was actually pretty hes- pretty hesitant to give up. Like, I'm pretty hungry to make the playoffs at this point. Uh, we've been beaten down so badly as Pistons fans that I would be ex- very excited to be at the eighth seed, honestly, just to just to go to the Palace and see see them play, get blown out by the Cavs. Or, or actually, we just beat the Cavs. I mean, I would actually be pretty excited. I, I, certainly, as a as a homer. Pistons fan, I would be able to convince myself to be very excited for any playoff series right now. So the, the one the one thing that could happen with this trade is actually getting a little bit lo- a little bit worse, even for a portion of the rest of the games. And the and the race for the eighth seed is so tight that if we, as we've seen, when we had a little five game losing streak there, it bipped us out of the playoff spot. And we've we've won four straight now, and we've kind of clawed our way back in there. But you know. Even if even if it's a matter of adjusting with him in our lineup, kind of like we had to with Reggie Jackson last year, that could cost us our eighth seed this year. The, to me, it's not going to be losing Ilyasova. It's going to be uh, not having a not losing Jennings because he he really helped our our second unit, and now we're relying on Steve Blake again. Uh, and it hasn't been so bad in the eye test the past couple of games, but that's really a bad matchup against really good teams. Yeah, it, that, that's tough. The, um, I happened to right before we. Got uh, online here. I watched the the second half of the Toronto game, and Blake had an amazing third quarter. He 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 had a bunch of great assists, and he hit a couple of big threes. Um, I mean, he's uh, our brother-in-law. Jamie was telling me Blake's got his number retired at Maryland. You know, he he's got some skill in there. He's just too slow to to guard the other point guards, and I don't know. He I, maybe he can hold down the fort. Who, who knows? But you're right. Any, any little let off. I, I, hopefully, we've already made the adjustment period, um, and and we'll just you know be back to where we were uh, or or better for the rest of the season. But I, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier the the, the usage thing. Yeah, you know, when I was looking, you know, to make my little projection spreadsheet at the beginning of the year to to see how many wins I thought we would have, one of the things I noticed is that if you add up all of the usage rates of all the guys um, and think about who's going to use our possessions, it was like way below 100%. So we knew coming in that several players were going to have to use a lot more possessions than they had ever in their careers before. And we've seen that happen. Andre has, is using more, and Reggie Jackson is using a ton. He's using like... Um, Carmelo Anthony level, you know, uh, how much he's shooting the ball. And that, and that's good because he's great. Um, but, you know, we've been complaining all season about how, about possessions ending with Marcus Morris or KCP having the ball and having to create a shot. And, you know, they were big time scorers in college and they, you know, they can do it. They can try, but they're not very efficient at it. I just feel like having Tobias Harris, his shooting ability and height, and um and his ability to make a quick decision and you know get going towards the basket he'll be able to take those the the few possessions that end in a little, a little bit of a scramble and get us a little bit of a better option a better you know instead of being a terrible shot it'll be an okay shot and you know you improve your efficiency on your good possessions and your bad possessions and 
Um, I just, you know, he that's one thing he really brings to the table. He doesn't shoot as high a percentage from three as Ilyasova, but he he uses o- over 20% of his usage rates over 20 instead of being under 20. And you can see that on the floor where he gets the ball and he just gets going towards the basket and can, you know, get a float, shoot a floater, whereas Ilyasova would pump fake and dribble twice and then pick up the ball and then look for a guard. And, and then we would have five seconds left and Marcus Morris had to shoot a fadeaway. I've already seen in some games, uh, just in the eye test of, of Harris being confident and being able to get a good shot off. He, he, he's really good at cutting to the rim, and if he needs to, he can get you know, get there, have a floater, uh, get, draw contact. And he also has been shooting the he's been shooting the ball uh, from three well. Uh, and we need him to. I, I think last season was was the only season he's actually shot well from three where he actually shot above 35% made a lot of corner threes this season so far he was back closer to 30% and that was one of those things where um the fact that he'd been shooting well was why he got this big contract and and now he kind of regressed back to not shooting well well so far it looks good I mean it's only been a few games but uh he's he's making his open threes and he's getting the shots up quicker than old Eliasova was I there were just a couple of notes from from kind of a scouting report on him so we can know what to look for the rest of the season. We we haven't seen enough games to where we can see all of this, but um, he's a in addition to being a, a, an okay and hopefully improving outside shooter, he's a good post player on offense. And that's something that Ilyasova did not bring to the table. And that's something where if he gets switched, uh, where we're running our offense and a smaller player switches onto him, Ilyasova couldn't really make much out of that, even though he was bigger, whereas Harris should, hopefully should be able to. Um, and um, the word on him is that he's got a good work ethic and studies film a lot and pays a lot of attention to his conditioning and diet and so forth. So, you know, that sounds like a great long-term bet to have a guy who's going to work steadily to try to improve. And then, you know, the, the word on him is he doesn't read the floor that well in making passes, so he's we shouldn't really be relying on him to be a playmaker, but... Uh, so that's something we can watch out for. Maybe he can improve. And then um, finally, um, uh, one of the things he admitted in an article, in an interview that he needs to work on is he doesn't have a great stance on defense and can get blown by a little bit. And, you know, he's, tr- he's trying to, like, take yoga and make his hips more flexible. And he doesn't take very many charges um, in his career up until this season, uh, which is kind of interesting because T- Ilyasova was by far the league leader in taking charges. So we'll have to see if our team defense works differently with him, but he blocks a few more shots. And anyway, I just thought I'd round out our scouting report on him as uh, Pistons fans are, are trying to get used to, you know, watching our new player to see how he's going to fit in. But I, I have high hopes. I think he, I think he fits nicely. He's just a, a, a gear that fit, fits with the rest of our, our, our machinery here. Definitely. And just to, just to put a, a bow on it, his first three games, he had, his offensive rating was 118 and he was shooting, he's been shooting, uh, almost 39% from three. So if, if that's how he continues on, he'll be our best offensive <laughs> player on the team. Yeah, perfect. Why don't we transition from there into just looking a little bit at our our team of late. Uh, and we had, we had and, and, and how about Andre Drummond? I mean, it's kind of hard to go a podcast without just focusing on him because he's really is our centerpiece. Uh, the first time we've had an all-star in years, uh, he played in the All Star game. He actually was in the dunk contest also, and he didn't. He was he was not impressive in that. But it was just cool to see him there on All Star weekend. And one thing we had talked about, uh, a couple of things we've talked about in terms of what he needs to do to get better is become a better rim protector, and also just how bad his free throws are and the impacts of that. So 
Uh, first of all, he, th there's been a little bit of buzz recently about his improved rim protection. I, I, some commentators have mentioned it. I think after we beat the Cavs in that impressive win where we really held them to, uh, I think we held them to like 90 points. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the interview afterwards, Reggie Jackson was, was asked, like, well, how are you guys able to do it? And he said, it all, comes to, it all starts with Andre Drummond. And when he's, playing, when he's locked in, uh, we just all have confidence that we can really play aggressively and, and, if, and, and we'll have help if someone gets past us. And I also happened to notice watching against the Bucks, uh, you know, a, a couple of plays here and there, like um, the Greek freak was, was, had like a, a fake and blew by Morris. And I just noticed that Drummond, uh, I actually went back and rewound it just to make sure I saw this correctly with my own eyes, that he, he had shuffled over competently to over to the circle and then just jumped straight up and, and didn't foul, didn't try, to, didn't try to block and end up getting a stupid foul and just altered the shot and, and he missed it. And then for a bonus, he actually had a great outlet pass immediately to KCP who drilled a three in transition. So that was a pretty awesome play to see. But I don't know, have you, have you seen anything or read anything about his, his rim protection improvement, or am I grasping at straws here a little bit? Well, I, I don't know if, if I can say that you're wrong. I, I have not um, seen that myself. I, I've seen parts of most of the games, but I haven't watched, watched them from start to finish. Um, I mean, watching this year, I, I, he's got this reputation for being our defensive anchor, and we've been um, at times a great defensive team, but... It just seems like a lot of times he's in the neighborhood of a layup being shot, and he does, doesn't seem to know what he can do about it. So that's a great sign that we're, you know, starting to hear a little bit here and there about him doing better on that. Um, it's you know, it's got to be a point of emphasis, and it's probably one of the main things he's working on. But I, you know, uh, I'm a maybe I'm a little behind the curve. I have I have not seen that, and uh, but I, I do know that his rebounding is already elite and and can help if you stop the other team from getting offensive rebounds. Um, and, and if you can add causing them to miss more to that, I think he really struggles with, on the one hand, not being too aggressive and jumping out of the gym after a pump fake or fouling, and on the other hand, being too passive. I think that must be an extremely difficult balance to strike because big men tend to take years to get that right. And he's not there yet, but if, if he can get there sometimes and just have it be a gradually larger percentage of the possessions, that's the right direction to go in. His defense already, uh, rim protection or not, is what really got him into the All Star game. If you really include his rebounding ability uh, and his, and what's funny, we talked before about how his offensive rating of of around a hundred is just not very impressive at all. It's the kind of thing where if that was if that was what you were good at, I mean, if you were not a great defender, you would have a hard time staying on a roster with a, with that offensive rating. And yet, watching him, he see just the fact that he, he he's such a beast on the offensive glass, and he has these. Uh, his uh, his hook shot developing, he he looks good, really good sometimes. So we were trying to make sense of that, and we asked, we keep on asking, well, how much of of it is his, his free throw percentage? So one thing I had fun yesterday doing was kind of re-implementing uh, Dean Oliver's offensive rating, which is super complicated. It was a real, it was actually annoying. I, I was kind of afraid halfway through I wasn't going to get it because it's all these sub formulas, but the, the basically. What's cool about offensive rating is that it's all based on box score stats. So those are stats that are available to everybody. You don't need player motion. Uh, I think there's a lot of secret sauce that is underlying the per stat that we probably couldn't recalculate if we wanted to. So if you actually grind through it, uh, it's essentially trying to estimate um, how many points per possession does this individual contribute per 100, uh, per 100 possessions. It's, it's the analogy to the team's offensive rating. And, uh, and 
free throws are part of it because that's how you can contribute points. So bottom line is I was able to see what it is right now and, and see that I got it right. It's 100. And then I was able to mess with the stats and see what would happen. If he just made one more free throw per game, that would boost his free throw percentage from 33% to almost 50%. And he would have an offensive rating of 107, which is getting respectable plus kind of thing. If he made two more free throws per game and got up to 60%, he'd be have an offensive rating of 113 and be off, be uh, you know all-star level just on his offense alone. And finally, if he, if he got up to like a 75% or a 70% free throw shooter, he'd be up near up in the one teens near 120. And you were saying, you know, that that's like, you know, he'd be a Hall of Fame level uh, on offense, Moses Malone style. So that's people. I've heard people say that, and now it really hammers it home. If he can get a lot better at free throws, it could be it'd be life changing for us. Yeah, I mean, he, he that that's the dream. I mean, if he if he can get up to that 50, 60 percent level playing all-star level offense to go with all-star level uh, uh, borderline all-star level defense. He's got elite rebounding and, and uh, up and down sometimes elite defense. I mean, you, you can just see the flashes. I mean, we're, I mean, I, I think that in addition to all the money that Tom Gore's threw at him, I think Andre Drummond's presence is the reason Stan and Gundy decided to move away from Florida and his, you know, nice life as an NBA. NBA commentator when he gets to say whatever he wants on radio shows and stuff to taking over the Pistons is 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 this building piece and that and this is what we're talking about and I'm just I'm just amazed because um, at at seeing these numbers after you calculate them it's a um, I think it, it's you, you know it's good that we've got a professional pro- computer programmer on the staff here uh, namely you um, because I looked at that formula and thought ah well I'll just <laughs> I'll just say that Drummond would be better if he made more free throws and that's as far as I'm willing to go but um, yeah, can you can you endorse my skill of Google spreadsheets on LinkedIn? I'm sure it'll be do wonders tonight. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a, a game changer. Um, but Moses Malone was the uh, the comp. I, w- I the ceiling. You know, the best I could imagine Andre Drummond being based on rebounding skill plus uh, you know offensive rebounds in particular. And where he where he really is set apart is he shoots he shot free throws in the seventy percent range uh, plus. And um, he that's why he won a couple of MVP awards and and, and some NBA titles. So um, it, it, uh, it also it, it, it also validates. Oh, go ahead. I mean, it also validates that he is. He, I mean, if if you just replace his free throws with average NBA center free throw percentage, which obviously is cheating, we can't do that. He's a terrible free throw shooter. He's good on offense. I mean, and that kind of validates that he he's in addition to that to just being good on dunks off pick and rolls and. Uh, you know, offensive rebounds, like the fact that his hook shot is developing, uh, you know, he, he really is developing as a decent, as a good offensive player. Yeah, I guess he has, he, he's been a special kind of mediocre on offense where he, he's he got some really good aspects canceled out by some epic bad aspects, you know, namely his free throw percentage. And yeah, I guess uh, sometimes improving is just taking your worst aspect and making it acceptable or okay or average, Um because his 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 great attributes are are really great. So, yeah. At the same time, I'm sure that if we went to like a lot of NBA players and, and took their worst attribute and made it average, you'd probably see some dramatic changes too. So I don't, I don't want to blow it up too much, but it's nice to see that uh, th- that that is a true thing to really be focusing on and see if it, if he's the kind of guy who was able to make it improve over his career, or if it's one of those things that's just going to be going to hold him back. Yeah, and 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 again, you know, the, there's. 
it, it's really mystifying why guys can't improve at that. People improve at three-point percentage late in their careers sometimes um, with practice. And, you know, it, I mean, what if, you, what if someone told you that you could practice darts for like two hours a day for 10 years and not get better at it. You just wouldn't believe them, you know, but like, well, somehow, somehow guys, sometimes they just don't get better at free throws. And it's hard to, it's hard to understand. It's worth so much to teams to, to take, to take, um, turn Andre Drummond into a bad free throw shooter at 60%. And, and that would make him, you know, uh, uh, maybe a first team all NBA caliber player. What is that worth to him? That that's probably worth like, Thirty million dollars to the Pistons, uh, just over the value of his contract, and so I don't know. Like, why don't teams have, you know, a team of like ten scientists who quit their jobs and only work for the Pistons, analyzing video and having them do? You know what I mean? Like, it's worth so much, and I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I haven't heard of any kind of free throw Manhattan project. So I'm getting off into wild speculation here, but it, it's just it, it's really something. And, and when you focus on what's at stake here. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised we don't hear more about it. Me too. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's also just one of those things that the casual fan, it's, it's one of the few things that a casual fan can feel like he or she could, could actually do at an NBA level with a lot of practice. So it's just the irony of that being going to kill his heel for any otherwise NBA athlete is just hard to understand. But so that maybe that kind of brings us to a concluding topic of how we're doing lately. Uh, last episode, we were getting pretty excited because we were solid, I think, in the seventh or sixth spot in the East. And it's so close that being in the sixth or the eighth or the ninth is actually not that big a difference. But we had a five-game losing streak that really hurts. And it, it kind of put us down. It kind of put us to, like, really neck and neck with, like, the Bulls, the Hornets, and the Pacers. But I would say uh, we actually have a little bit of distance between us and, and Boston, who's in the third spot now, and certainly – uh, Toronto and Cleveland, who are at the top of the of the East, I, but I was also looking at our trusty kind of segmented team statistics spreadsheet, and one thing I noticed that during our skid, our our defense was really suffering, and our um, and and lately, and when we when we're on like a four game winning streak, our our defense is actually uh, top ten. It's, we're seventh best in the league with averaging allowing ninety nine points per hundred possessions. Uh, and the two things that contribute to that, I'm guessing, are the opposing uh, the oppo- opposing team's uh, effective field goal percentages. We're doing the, the eighth best in the league at keeping those down, and we're actually forcing uh, turnovers better than we have all season. So our defense is better. Uh, so if you, our defense has gotten to like kind of our best of the year levels, and our offense is continuing to be pretty good, or or maybe semi you know average kind of thing, and those two combine. Uh, have us kind of lined up to be right in just a very small sample size of a few games, but the 11th best team in the league. And that's the kind of thing where we start to hope again about maybe finding ourselves in the sixth spot in the East by the end of the year. Yeah. And we're just on a knife edge. Um, the, the separating the, the fourth uh, team in the East and the, and the ninth, which is us is three losses um, in the loss column. Um, so, a little winning streak, a little losing streak, and we could go from having from uh, missing the playoffs to having home court advantage for our first playoff series if something happens. And you know, and Miami could drop a little bit. I mean, unfortunately, Chris Bosh is having uh, some really scary health issues with a blood clot, and 
and they don't. I, he might not play the rest of the season. You know, Charlotte made a trade to to try to bolster the lineup, and Chicago is a mess. And, you know, it, it it all could go in in any direction. But you know, if you look at our schedule coming up, we're we're really about to enter a real crucible here. Um, we're playing, uh, I think, six of our next nine games on the road, uh, or, or maybe six of our next. Oh, it's six of our next seven on the road, I think. So it's our last really brutal road trip of the season. There are a couple of really winnable ones in there, Philadelphia um, and the Knicks. But we're also playing the Spurs on the road, which I don't know if they've lost at home this season. Um, and uh, Dallas is a good team. So if we, you know, the, these next couple of weeks could really decide everything. Then we have a really long home stand, and uh, you know, we, and we could really improve. So I hope that the work of integrating Tobias Harris into our team, we, we've, we've kind of worked our way through that. Um, you mentioned that we've been playing well on defense and our, and our offense has been kind of average. I almost wonder whether now um, just hitting a stride on offense, um, maybe um, having a more skilled, versatile player and Tobias Harris on the floor more, get a rhythm going or open up some more options. Because you just you could imagine if, if we could get on a roll on offense, that gives you energy on defense. In starting from a position where we're typically top ten defense when we're playing well, uh, and and then having more energy and and having more of your opponent's possession starting out off of a made basket instead of a rebound and all this stuff, you know, w- there's kind of feedback loops is what I'm saying, and we can end up being really good and and uh, and being that team that beat Cleveland and Toronto in the last week uh, for long for a longer stretch. So it's on the table that we could end up with the fourth seed, which is crazy, considering that right now we're out, we're out of the playoffs. It's just this is going to be wild, and, and it, it's been a long time since we've had a stretch run where we're not talking about our draft pick at this point in the season. Yeah, exactly. My God. Uh, I, I think this this time last year was Jennings got injured because we were playing great, and then we just went on this, that awful losing streak right into the lottery. Um, but, yeah, the way we're playing lately, we go from – uh, man, we're not playing so well. I kind of hope we're playing someone crappy so we can get a win. So, like, I'm excited. Uh, we're, we've just handily beat Cleveland and Toronto. Uh, you know, I think Cleveland ended up, the score ended up being closer than it really was. Same thing with Toronto. I think we were up by like 27 earlier tonight before they we, they came back while we had, you know, the like, you know, Reggie Bullock in the lineup and stuff like that for the cleanup minutes. So, we're to the point again, certainly at the Spurs, I'm not holding my breath, but. Home against Portland, I would. I think we should, we should, if we play well, we should be able to win. At Dallas, I feel like that's a game where we could win if we play really well. At Charlotte, I think we could win. So I think we're to a point where we can control our destiny. And if we can play well, then we will be in the playoffs. And uh, there's some upside, some potentially exciting upside of being you know home court advantage in the first round. Well, let's let's come back and see how we're doing after this challenging road trip. And hopefully next time we'll be talking about how we're edging towards the fourth seed. All right, let's uh, let's make that playoff push, push, push.